This is our 15th uh, Fireside Chat. And as always, I'm Sandro Mancuso. I'm here with my friends, Mashuk Badal and Jose Huertas from Cojurens. Uh, this topic, the topic for today was actually inspired by uh, Helder, uh, a guy that has been following uh, our chats and, and he asked us, hey guys, could you talk about building teams? So basically what he was saying is, was like, uh, he works in a, in a product company and quite often, and, and we agree with him because we see that in a lot of places, uh, organizations create teams that are eternal, right? So they stick together. Uh, but sometimes in order to maintain those teams, um, the companies need to provide them like low value features or adjust their backlogs to fit the team. So basically like uh, what the question was like, is there any recommendation in how we could evolve those teams and align those teams to people's preferences, but also to business needs? Should we keep the teams always uh, together and redirect them? or there are different ways of doing things. So that, that's where Helder was coming from. So I, we found that it was a great topic. And before we start, if you are enjoying this uh, chat, make sure that you subscribe to the channel so that you are notified every time you have a new one. Give us a thumbs up and of course, uh, put on the comments any topic that you like us to debate. So to kick us off, guys, what do you think about Helder's question? Like, should we keep teams together? Should they be eternal? Uh, how do we align your business? Uh, the I think the, the question is very interesting, but I will broaden the question a little bit more, right? Because it, for me, if you're having to do what he's referring to, where you have you have these teams and then you're having to come up with features to keep them together, you're probably not making the most out of your teams. So I think that's a that's a good question that encompasses what he's talking about, right? Like how do you get the best you know the, the the most out of your teams right and we can go there we can answer this question and, and we can probably talk about some other contexts that we've also found and before we do that probably is a good uh, thing to start by defining what we mean by a team no because this is a common misconception as well. A lot of organizations, I've seen this now. From now on, you, 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 you know, a designer, a, a developer, a, a database, and a tester, and now you're all a team, and that's it. And for me, that's not a team because a team requires a common objective. It's not just a collection of people that you suddenly give a name and go, oh, this is a team. No, it, it requires a common objective, so everyone's working towards this, achieving the same thing. And everyone needs to contribute in order to achieve that goal. If I achieve the goal and you don't achieve the goal, right, then we're probably not a team. We're, we're something else, not like, like we are, you know, a task force or a, whatever you want to call that work group, but probably not, not a team. No? And this is something that, that is essential if we're going to have the, the conversation. The other thing is this goal thing is where I think some of the problem comes from. Right, Max? Like, if he's talking about a, a, having, let's say, a team that is focusing on a part of the user journey or a part of the system or a particular application, or and suddenly the priorities or the objectives that they need to contribute to uh, contribute for the organization change, right? Now they're kind of lagging behind. There's there's a misalignment there. Now they're, they're having to focus on the the thing that they will continue to the to the organization, and I feel like that's 
Mm-hmm. I don't know, Mesh. What, what do you think? Um, uh, let me. Uh, I, I think there is an important insight in in there actually uh, that you talked about. That you know what makes a team is a common objective or a common goal. And often when people have problems, uh, this kind of problem that health is referring to, actually the objective or the goal is not some kind of business outcome, but the product itself or the component or parts of the product itself. The goal, or you are payments team, right? Or you are, uh, you know, like orders team, or you are kind of trade capture team or that kind of stuff. And that's not a business goal. It's an area or, or a bit of functionality or a whole product. But even a product is not a goal, right? And I think this is an important part because when the goal changes and what that means that the team now has to, to look at a different product or a different part of the system or a different component, what happens is that suddenly the team's identity changes. That, you know, that they they cannot be pointed to to another goal or the the or they cannot be aligned to the business goal because they were never aligned to the business goal right so this is to me this is this is a problem because well it's it's interesting that you you didn't mention that what makes a team is common uh knowledge knowledge about a domain or knowledge about a particular product or a particular component you know those are things that are actually they are uh, very beneficial that everyone has the same kind of knowledge and there's that domain knowledge and everything else that exists in the team, but it just needs to exist in the team. The team doesn't need to identify itself by it. And and what they need to to have to make a team is share in an objective, a goal, right? So then my question back to what Helder was, for example, saying is that, you know, in... uh, the, the teams are product aligned and business priorities might change and then they can't give the, the new priorities to the team because they're aligned to another product. And so what they do is they go down the priority list to say, well, what are those priority, what are those areas that actually align to that product and we'll give them those lower priority business features, right? So basically what well, in, in this case, what they're doing is they're, they're working they're kind of optimizing according to the teams rather than according to to the needs of the business, right? And I think, and that that's wrong because actually if all that matters is that, you know, the team needs to share an objective or a goal, right? Why can't their objective or mission change? In other organizations, the missions of a team change all the time. You know, you look at military or, or these kind of things and the, their missions are are the variable it's about their ways of working and 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 their communication structures and all those things that remain and the of course the identity and those things remain but the missions change all the time so in this situation my challenge is why can't the mission change so the, the there is a another element uh, before uh, we will explore a bit more. There is another element that was in his question that I that we need to address as well. Uh, Elder was talking about the sin of creating eternal teams. I think that what he was implying is that we create a team and then that team stays together. 
and they don't want to separate themselves from each other. So, so I think that he was also coming from that perspective as well, because there is the element of uh, the same group of people, they remain together and, and their mission changes, as you said, Mesh. But there is also another element of should that team, should a team be aligned, uh, be, be assembled uh, to satisfy a, a goal or, or to work on, on something that the business wants to achieve? And, and, and then uh, the organization chooses the most suitable people according to availability and so on and so forth for the task. Or they should always keep that team together and then keep redirecting the team. Because uh, there is an element for from teamwork that is a sense of belonging as well. Because we cannot discard the, the personal side that once a team gels, and this is not very often, like teams don't, don't gel very easily and <laughs> very often, right? But once a team gels, there is a lot of uh, advantages in keeping that group of people together once they work together. But that's not always the case as well. And this is also part of the, the complexity in Helder's uh, uh, question as well that we should address. If I can add, sure. uh, Sandra, it's, it's all a matter of context, right? Like sometimes the only option you have, if you need to build a team because you don't have you know, one that's readily available that you can, that you can use, yeah? Uh, so that's that's one context. And then the other context where you do have a team, as you mentioned before, there are lots of advantages, but there are also disadvantages to keeping teams together, <laughs> right? And a lot of the time people don't talk about that. No. Sure. Um, yeah. and, and, you know, you, you have things like, you know, the, it creates a sort of like an isolated, isolated culture or, or silo. Right, uh, you um, you find that uh, their you know innovation and things like this may may stagnate. No, you you're not getting enough input from outside. You're not in some cases uh, they can even start plateauing on on the you know their learning or or how they can improve. Right, like because you know we're already doing things great right so why why should we do anything different right and all of those things are you know like silent killers <laughs> to some extent right uh and they're and they're so sorry sorry time, just right? to interrupt with, yeah with, uh... but i don't think this is always true sorry to interrupt because like uh for example what we are saying is that let's say that we have a very group, good group of people and here i'm just like trying to expand more on the, the idea of having eternal teams just like see how far we can take that? Because I have, similar to you all, I also have mixed feelings about that. I see pros and cons, but I'm just trying to stretch that a bit. First of all, I don't think that is true that, let's say, if you have a very good, competent group of people, highly talented, uh, full of energy. So I don't think that they will not innovate just because they are together. On the contrary, I think that they can keep innovating as, as they get more f uh, flexibility and work in different areas of the business. Just adding, like, it's breaking them apart and, and mix them with other people. Don't necessarily will create innovation or even good innovation, right? So, but I, I don't think I don't think we're talking about that because there are extremes. Like one is that break everyone apart and re reform everything each time. The other is a a gentle rotation or evolution of teams, right? So I, I think we are kind of probably making 
the mistake of falling into this trap of these two extremes, right? The extreme one, which as you mentioned, kind of just a whole pool of people forming to to a mission and then then kind of dissolving back into that pool. That's the one absolute ex ex extreme. And the other absolute extreme is this almost static team that is aligned to a particular mission forever, right? So there is this, you know, there are complete, absolute complete extremes, and there's a lot of room in the middle, especially towards where you have well-established teams that are evolving. Not, not just uh, their mission is evolving, but they themselves as a team is evolving as uh, different challenges uh, come to them, but also as the needs of the people, individuals within the team uh, become, you know, not necessarily aligned with the team anymore. So I think there is that kind of, there is some, depending on each team and each different scenarios, there is room to be in these different um, parts of the spectrum. But I think the two extremes are bad. And I would also maybe stick my neck out to say that actually to the left where you just have this pool is the further down towards the left you go, whether you just have this pool of people, it gets worse and worse. And probably you want to be close to uh, closer to where you have some kind of uh, stable teams allowing for the evolution within the teams in terms of individuals and also evolution of the mission. So basically we're saying that like uh, there is uh, it's a bit help. So trying to understand what you're saying is like it's healthy to have a, 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 a small degree of change in the, as the team evolves. So a few members coming out, new blood, fresh blood coming in, reinvigorating the team, bringing some potentially new ideas and stuff. Is that where I think you are it's, coming yeah, from? Yeah, I mean, I, mean it's, it, I, I don't know if it reinvigorates the team or not. Maybe. Maybe it does. I think, again, it's, it has good points about but But I think it's a necessity of a, a, a living system. A living system needs to evolve. It needs to, to – and both because, you know – you you can't keep it static because there are people in there. They have their needs change. They they may want to uh, to experience different things and all those kind of things. And of course, the business changes and what the team is serving keeps changing. And that also needs to keep evolving. Now, I think this is a necessity. And anything else that we do is we are actually fighting against that necessity. Uh, whether that reinvigorates the team or whether new innovation comes in and so on. Maybe, but but I, I think that's a that's the second thing. It may happen in some cases and may not, depending on who joins and and what what the dynamics of the team are at that point. Yeah. Jose, I interrupted you before. I don't know if you uh, I just picked on the, the first point that you were making, but I don't know if you still remember what you wanted to say. No, no. I, I was I, the point that I was making before was you know there are good things to keeping people together and so on, and there there are also you know not not so great things um, keeping them together if it doesn't have to happen it's not like it, it will always happen right uh but definitely by design you need to you need to work on then not happening and i told uh, i talked about you know this this silos or insulated culture you know where you don't have enough uh external inputs and one way of getting external inputs is you know some people join the team and they bring fresh ideas 
fresh set of eyes and and you know they question things and you know it sort of triggers this this oh reflection as a group um uh, but there are many other ways of, of doing that i'm not saying that's that's the only way of doing it but you need to address it so keeping them together is not a is not a, a sure way of getting high performing teams especially you know if you already had like a bad relationship or you have you know some baggage in the relationship that's uh, that may not be uh, good so the way that i approach this is you know coming from coaching and all these things because it's, it's part of that because a lot of the time there's another aspect there which is sometimes you cannot form the team that you want you just have to deal with the team that you have right uh and you still need to get i the, think the most of the time of right most of the time for most organization that is the case right so you cannot just pick like those are the kind of people i want this is what the people that we have available and Exactly. So this is where things like different, you know, team development models and things like that help a lot because they, they give you some structure on how to approach things, right? Like if you if you look, you know, uh, at things like um, um, Tugman's um, team development model, not the five stages, the whole uh, forming, uh, storming, norming, performing, and adjourning, right? Like the, the idea that the, that the team goes through these phases you know, sometimes goes back to some of them, et cetera, but at some point they perform and then they finish whatever it is that they were uh, kind of meant to do. And then they go and, and disassemble, no? Avengers, right? Uh, <laughs> do you think, by the, the way, before before we move, do you think that there is a, a reason? Because normally we, we talk about four levels, but very rarely we talk about their journey that is the actual termination of that team or, or mm. disassembling of that team. Do you think that there is a reason why the fifth element was not, popular like for some people don't like to talk about for example is this I, like because people consider that this is not a good thing that we should keep the team together so let's forget about the fifth stage of a team or, or I, I think it really. depends on how long-lived teams are right like a lot of a lot of people they they either get to that stage because you know they ran out of time to do whatever it is that they needed to do or you know something else interrupted that uh kind of path right uh but you you know you can see it with people that get together for a relatively short period of time in order to accomplish something you know you know they already know that at some point this is going to finish and part of the plan is it will finish at some point let's make sure that when it finishes you know everything is is good right um and that already becomes part and before I was talking about different models, you know, Tugman's model is not the only, there's another thing called a um, punctuated equilibrium uh, model, right? Which basically looks at, you know, teams and you know, people work uh, together. And what it says is that there are certain moments in time where the team is more, let's say, open to changing or learning or, or acting on the knowledge that they have already acquired right this is usually you know beginning middle end right so at the beginning people are what are we going to do like you know they, there's this process of, but at some point they already have to start doing things right and it's not until like they are mid process like for instance if you're looking at the fiscal year no? like if you're looking at a year mid-year usually people would say oh how are we doing with the plan no or how are we doing with the roadmap or or if it's a quarter the same thing right and then at the end there's also the, the part no if, if you look at retrospectives if you look at so 
you have these three areas where you can act on the team I'm, I'm making sure that they have all the ingredients that they need in order to to be successful in in what they're doing right and there there are more right like you, you, another uh model that you can use if especially if you're having like a, a, a team that has uh problems no uh is the uh patrick lenisoni's you know five dysfunctions uh, model and yet another pyramid <laughs> no <laughs> yeah. uh you know trust uh, and so on right trust conflict uh, commitment and so on right like uh, accountability yeah. and results right i think is is the the order but so so these things it's not like they are perfect by any means but but they give you ways in which to look at your teams and and figuring out you know where can i tweak how can i help no how can i uh, get the best no out out of the team or the people that are that are working there no and and i feel like that's often not even thought of right like usually building a team or or having is is about putting people together with the right skill set uh you know do you know php do you know blah blah whatever right you put them together oh, that's it we have a front end we have a back end we have it uh, and this should be this should be enough to to deliver this project but there are plenty of other things no? yeah, yeah uh, I, I swear to God, no i just wanted like it's more like a uh i just want to give some 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 information then maybe ask a question to to, to both of you and, and mesh you will probably remember very clearly these situations so we were working with our clients i'm pretty sure that some of our people even some of our clients will <laughs> will know what i'm talking about here but like we were working for a client at some point they were a product company uh so they had the website and stuff and uh so so they had like any product company they had areas very well defined they had the payments team the catalog team they have the the whatever like the product team and, and so on and so forth right so at some point uh in the early days that we were working with them the teams the the, the they felt that the teams are not properly aligned right so they wanted to rejuggle all the teams. And I remember having like uh, in a big meeting with all the developers, all the product owners, all the, the people involved, and, and they wanted to rearrange those teams. And what happens was some teams said, look, we want to remain together. I don't care which domain we put us in. We want to remain together. Some people said, we want to remain together and work in the same domain. So we had like a payments team that they wanted to say, look, we, we like each other. We work well together. We know this domain very well. This is where we think we can add value. And, and, and I've, I've, I actually felt that there are pros and cons to all of that. But I found that like in a product company, you have a team that is very well gelled. They, they, they work very well together. They have a very good knowledge of the domain that they are in. It's a domain that is in constant evolution. It's an important domain for the company. So keeping a team together in that domain, as long as they are happy, made sense. But there were a lot of people in between as well. As I said, there were people that wanted to remain together and they didn't really care much about what they would do. And there were people that were just there. And they said, well, I don't know, I'm here. Like, And then we end up in a situation, uh, Meshi will certainly remember that because it was actually, well, funny now, right? But like, so we had a few teams with names and stuff but we had some people that were the others. That's how they were named. And, and so they were a group of developers that were available to do whatever. 
And then the organization had this mix of teams. And to be fair, uh, like, please don't get me wrong. I'm pretty sure that some people from that company is watching. We watched this video at some point. And I don't think that there was right or wrong because we didn't know exactly what to do because this is a very difficult situation. Because we are talking about there are business needs. There are things that need to be done. There is expertise that you can benefit from. And there is what people want to do. And if you start forcing them to fit in certain teams or destroy certain teams, you might not have that person moving forward <laughs> because that person might be extremely unhappy. So uh, the, the, so I just wanted to, 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 to give that context because like, uh, my question is like for a product company, what could be a good way of going about that as the things, because they have specific domains most of the domains will remain stable and the evolution within those domains will continue. So that domain knowledge is important. But some domains, they have a priority today. Some, they lose priority tomorrow. Some people want to do different things. So what would be a good advice? And by the way, I don't have the answer myself. I just want to brainstorm that. I, I don't have, well, we didn't have the answer then. Uh, we probably don't have now, but it doesn't stop us from making opinions. <laughs> I, I have some opinions. Eh? I was no part of the I, I, I didn't say story. I didn't have opinions, by the way. I have opinions, but let's start with your opinions. Yeah. <laughs> no, I, I, think, uh, I think this is, it is very common. That situation that you're mentioning is, is very common. No? And for me, it's very much related to identity. Yeah. Um, and identity is a, it's a complex thing because you're not one thing, right? Like you, you're, you have all these labels that you associate with yourself and it's, it's this accumulation of things, right? Yeah. Is what you consider to be, you know, your identity, right? Like, you know, I'm Cuban and also Spanish, you know, and, and, and I'm a yeah. father now. I, I didn't think of myself as a father before, right? Like all of these things are part of, and they have a hierarchy, mm -hmm. right? Like I, you know, I think of myself a lot more as a Spanish person than as a, the, because, you know, I've been here longer and it's, it's more of what my day to day looks like, right? For, to, to give you an example. So for teams, it's the same thing. So you, you can associate yourself with, you know, being a developer or being a front end or being a whatever, right? And then you, as you start moving, you know, probably, you know, down to or up, depending on how you want to see this. Maybe you are part of Team X, right? And that's the, you know that's that's my level, my label, right? Or I am part of you know the the trust and uh, security uh, domain. Maybe that's three teams, right? And that's part of my that's where my loyalties uh, kind of like, right? Or you could be you know the organization, and if you see yourself as you know being part of the organization and that taking precedence over everything else then it doesn't become a problem when you're suddenly asked to hey by the way you need to support this other team because they're having you move there you help you do the you know you because for for you that's not in conflict yeah and what you find a lot of the time is, is that you teams gel but they gel into the team kind of identity Right. And they're willing to, you know, move around if they move together or they, you know, move to a different company <laughs> as well. You know what I mean? Like they want to go together. Right. Um, and that's when you start having uh, that kind of issue. Right. So it's for me, it's very important that, 
you know, whatever identity, you know, people feel more comfortable with, etc. Um, you do need to work on that overall, you know, if it is a common goal, if it is, you know, a common enemy, whatever it is that that takes that, that takes shape uh, in, uh, you do need to, by design, work on those things, right? And maybe, you know, if you start talking to them about, you know, business objectives and, you know, what the overall thing, then they start, you know, like, that's part of, of making them feel part of right and and not becoming an issue so that's my general you know i already gave you kind of like the setting of how you i would approach uh that kind of situation it's not infallible of course you you know context is everything right but that's that's more or less where i would go for uh, what i would go for um you know i was actually thinking and this was a thing that i was gonna raise at some point anyway this concept of self-similarity uh uh, so self-similarity is when the same thing kind of applies at different levels, right? And in here, I see some self-similarity as well. Or if you think about it, let, let's say you take a team, right? And let's say it's a very well gelled team. We think nothing of some uh, a feature coming into that team, right? And saying, okay, these we're gonna these two people are gonna pair on it suddenly they are also a team within a team, right? So they are a team, they, they have just formed to, uh, for the objective of that particular features completion. And they are gonna dissolve back into the larger team when the feature completes, right? And we think nothing of that. Right? We think that's a good thing. And we think that pair rotation is a good thing. And sometimes it's two, three people, right? So we are at a lower level. We are forming, dissolving, forming, dissolving quite often. And, and then there's the team as well. So, but, but in here, it's quite easy for that pair to hold the objectives of that feature, but also the goal, the overall goal of the team at the same time. And they're aligned because this feature that they are going to build aligns with the wider goal of the team and it's, it's still is still a team so so then you know why can't the next level be true as well but right. there is a there, there is an element in there uh, of for example every time they they pair with someone and then they they dismantle and then they pair with the other person that other person still has a very strong sense of identity, like they share a lot because that rotation of pairs happens more often and they are still within a much smaller context. So every person that they interact are people that they constantly interact. As you start moving that up, you stretching the metaphor, they might spend like months with one person uh, with one group of people and when you when they move a team move to a different project or, or a different department or area of the business there are people that they don't talk i i understand i i, I thought it was a good insight in creating a jose as you mentioned these identity at the top and that that would not matter which is similar to what you are saying Mash, at a lower level yeah. there is an identity with the team so that when you subdivide that identity is not alien because the identity is still within this. It follows through and it goes through. And this right. is why, and in fact, this is the thing that, you know, in that particular example that you 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 gave, and I'm trying to answer that question again, mm -hmm. is we actually, I remember talking about identity a lot. Mm -hmm. 
but I think our mistake there was that we concentrated on in team in identity rather than the business identity. And I think teams, of course, they should have identity, but they should always actually what trumps it is the the overall business identity. And we here we are not talking about different departments. We are talking about teams in the same department. So let's not make our problem too big right now. Let's mm -hmm. kind of just go to the next level, which was mm -hmm. the case in here. They were all actually parts of the same product. You know, as you yeah. said, one was payments, one was catalog and so on, right? And in fact, they were just divided so that, you know, they had a smaller cognitive load than the mm -hmm. whole thing because it was, it was too big. But we did not concentrate in this case. I think that was one of the main things was that on the identity as, as the development team as a whole. Of the and product. We, right. Of the product. And we went down to the identity of these those individual areas of the product. And th that caused a lot of dysfunction because when certain areas were less uh, busy, uh, they were they were not inclined to move to the other teams because they didn't share that identity. They were payments team. They were they were catalog team. They did not share the identity of the whole product team. And they probably felt into the exactly what Helder was uh, mentioning uh, in his original question because because people felt that their identity was local to their area of the business, but as that that, that area was deprioritized. The business still had to keep to feed that team, and that's why I think in his question he was saying, "Oh, now they need to work in low value features, business wise, because now you have a team that wants to remain in that area that is deprioritized, but we still need to have st yeah. something for them to do, and some high priority features for the business cannot be worked on because they don't have the right people available." Or the right mm -hmm. skills available that they would need to take from some of the existing teams. Yeah. So, so that's one aspect. Now, the the identity aspect and how you handled that. And by the way, to the example that you were saying before, Sandra, where you said, no, if you if you then move that up, maybe they will, you know, they, it will. You were talking about someone changing a team a month later and then being completely alien or whatever that's that's my problem that's that's not by design you know like by design let's say what you're doing is not what you were doing at the smaller scale <laughs> right because mm -hmm. uh, if you were doing the what well, was the smaller cake when the when the person joins the other team is not an alien they they already know each other at least or they already you know they they, and have, they have the some, common ways of working they, they have, and they have common, common ways of frames working. of reference they, Exactly, exactly. So so this is where I say, you know, and communication is a big aspect of that. Like if you don't talk to people, there's no way, you know, there's this, this thing um, around getting to know each other that allows for tacit knowledge and for people to work better, right? Like if you look at, um, you know, there's this book called Collaboration. One of the things that, that he talks uh, about is um, some of the barriers, right, to, to collaboration. And one of those is you know we don't know each other enough so there is knowledge that is harder to transfer because we don't know each other uh, enough right this is why things like you know doing team building and you know building trust and all this, this is what it's after right like it, it will be easier for me to tell you hey you know you make a mistake if we already you know know each other and i know that i can tell you hey you're, you're making a mistake right like this otherwise i'm going to be like oh i'm 
um, I don't want to step on these toes or whatever. Like that's that's just an example, right? So, so that's one aspect, and and those things need to happen by design, and you need to invest in 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 those things happening. And it is possible to have also teams that you know come together for a specific period of time, then go somewhere else, and and, and they're not the same people, right? Uh, and for instance, the FBI does this, right? Like because they have to work across you know, <laughs> uh, different states. So basically they may, you know, have to collaborate with someone in a completely different, uh, um, you know, FBI uh, office, right? Then f- from where they are or whatever, right? And and they train for this kind of stuff. So to be able to, to form a team and work effectively with people that you may not know that much is a skill that you need to build as well. And, and it's, a, it's a design as well. It's an organizational... It's yeah, it's an organizational framework that has to, they have to be in place for you to be able to do that easily. Yeah, you know that, that you were saying that, and I was uh, thinking about one of our projects. Um, and of course, uh, our people watching that will certainly know <laughs> who I'm talking about. Uh, but we have a, 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 one of our largest clients, that we have a, a few teams, Kojurans teams working for the same client. And, and one of the things that we try to do well, we, we do not try it. We, we actually do. So we have a joint uh, daily stand-up, uh, a daily meeting, right? So they're not stand-up anymore because we are all working remotely. We, we sit down. But like, uh, so we, we have a, a, a daily meeting where it's open to all the teams working for the same client. And basically one person uh, from each team, um, normally the team lead, but like one person from each team, they will give the updates to the other teams. That's what they, they've done yesterday, what they're, what they're doing. And if, so the normal uh, stand-up stand uh, thing. So they share with the other teams what they're going through on a daily basis. And that is time box for 15 minutes. But there is another thing that is pretty cool that was not, uh, I must tell you, it was not something that we created, uh, but it was pushed by the client for the, the circumstances in there, but now it serves very well. Uh, each team does its own demos or their own demos uh, every two weeks. So they have separate demos for the, the stream of work, but they have a summary demo once a month. So every two sprints, we have two week sprints. So every month for an hour, the all the teams, they give the summary of their month, right? So then all the teams, they need to work on the same slide deck and then present their uh, progress. So the cool thing about this is that there is far more knowledge of, like, for example, is across the, the teams. They know what each team is working on. They're working on the same pro, pro, uh, uh, product, the same code base and everything else. Uh, so, so this is cool because it creates this wider picture by design, right? So, but, but, but even then, I must admit, I have issues even convincing some of our own guys because they were saying, like, I don't think that is valuable. What is the value for me? Like, why would I join the, the general daily meeting for 15 minutes if they are talking about things that I don't care about? So I had to deal with that as well. It took some people a while to understand that they belong to something much bigger. And that is advantageous to them. Because some people, so many younger developers, they, 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 they attach themselves to an identity that's very small, very cozy, 
right? So, and, and, and because they are still young, it's difficult to keep too many things in their head or to, to, to think like at a strategic level and stuff. They are worried with their next feature, the, with their next task. So it took them a while to understand that just being aware of what's going on in their surroundings was important for them. And this helps them to move around because at some point they will be bored. At some point they say, hey, I've been in this team for a long time. I would like a change of scenery. You don't, leave, you don't need to look too far to have a change of scenery. You can have like a team that is next to you that might be doing something very, very cool that you might be interested to do, right? And then going back to hell, they're like, so this allows you, or even what we were discussing, to create a sense of identity that is a little bit bigger than just your team. Yeah, it's actually funny because uh, remember when we were uh, working for this uh, investment bank, uh, we, we it was it, it was that kind of siloed thinking where you know there's there's many systems interacting with each other, and we were building one system that was actually dealing with a couple of other systems that were upstream, and they didn't even know what those systems look like. Mm-hmm. So there, for years and years, they like this team. All it did was pushed messages that they thought were coming from their systems through their systems in an automated way and manual way as well. And that was the kind of UAT testing as well. It was all like going to message in, message out. Does it look the same and so on? And you think, but you, you, do you know what's actually creating these messages and who is at the end of that? And no, they didn't. And they felt that they didn't they didn't need to. And actually, I mean, it was working fine. But if you if all you do is just message in, message out, then your identity is related to that particular system, that particular component, and not the business of that bank in this case. And in this case, we actually did a bit of work to ha- have those upstream systems installed on their machines. So they could actually see the whole thing going end to end. So they could actually build an identity around what the bank needs as a whole, what that whole, how their component and other components together actually provide a service to the end customer. And that then kind of, in a way, lifted their uh, their view and their vision of what's more important or what's less important because they could see the whole rather than just the the parts and and this goes again this is one of those self-similarity same thing you know it goes all the way down to to the components and class level sometimes people get this tunnel vision and they just optimize this local thing but almost forget that this belongs to a much bigger whole right yeah and i think that jose also mentioned um of creating same standards and stuff that would help to 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 create this identity. Because one thing that also improved, uh, and although at Codurance we have that, uh, we we always have one way or another. But like in this project, uh, it took us a long time to do it. And I don't know why, but uh, com- community of practices. So we established community of community of practice in the client where all our teams now go to. And all of a sudden, practices that were adopted by one team started spreading to other teams much faster. Uh, and and the, 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 uh, collaboration and, and I polo, uh, idea, how do you polonize? Like, is it the word? Like, yeah, but like cross pollination. Cross pollination. 
cross pollination. <laughs> so the cross pollination of ideas became much faster now because before it was just the daily, the, the general daily was not enough because the daily would say, this is what we are doing, this is what we're going through and so on, share us some information, but it was not deep enough for them to relate to. But as soon as they had a community of practice where they share how they uh, split their uh, build pipelines, how they sped up their tests, how they are dealing with a different area of the organization, they said, oh, hey, hold on a sec, we have a similar problem. So they had more time to, to talk about it. So so creating those communities of practice helps to, to create a, a wide, a bigger identity as well. Mm -hmm. And bigger and and to say kind of almost align on ways of working, right? Yeah. You know, if you if you're in one team and you're working in a particular way, and you move to another team, and a lot of the things are very similar, there is not that big uh, a kind of shock or trauma to to you now suddenly having to completely adopt to this new new way way of working. And, and you're you already. Yeah, and, and you can apply that not only at the ways of working level, like there are companies that their offices look almost the same because they have people who are constantly traveling uh, between offices. And so they, when they get to a place, they know, you know, where the bathroom is or they know where, yeah. you know, the main uh, room is, etc. So you can apply that, you know, across all levels of, of the organization. Yeah. Definitely, definitely, and that creates creates an easier way for people to kind of move around and and the, and that kind of thing. Right? So, so there is another aspect as well uh, that we haven't uh, touched upon. So, let's say that we we want to create those teams, or for example, we we want to we have a few people in the organization, but all of a sudden there is a need. How do we deal with the problem that not always we have the, the right people available, the right skill available? And Because most of the time, and this happens to most of the organization, including to ourselves, uh, to a good degree, uh, sometimes we need to create a team with whoever you have available, and we need to nurture that team, right? So in a product company, is there a way to minimize that impact? Or, or like, I don't know, how do we go about that? Because not always people want to change what they are doing or I don't know or sometimes they want to change but they don't have the right skills I wonder if there is uh, anything uh, we can say uh, I'm actually coming more to the kind of uh, leaning more towards the conclusion that it's I mean skills are important but they're not as important as ways of working they're not as important or as discipline and they're not as important as the softer let's say skills which are universal right so if you build the the right attitudes, the right kind of, you know, teamwork, effectiveness, leadership, consultancy, these kind of skills, if you build these, they, they are universal. And for us, right, that's what where we we concentrate more and more on, because we often find those are the ones that, you know, are the difference between success and you know, challenges. Let's say, then then hardcore technical skills yes you do need specialisms and but you know what they are the ones that you can train on they are the ones that you can even to some extent learn on the job but if you don't have the right attitude if you don't have the right skill uh, kind of more softer side of those the skills that i just mentioned those are not the ones that you can train on and those are those are not the ones that you 
you can do without while you're learning. Uh, I, I would say that uh, that's that's also part of, of the thing. You know, every every great organization is also you know a training organization, right? So you you should be able to identify when you don't have the the skills and be able to train for those skills as you know as fast as possible. Sometimes that that's you know if you already know you're going to be assigned to a project, you know week two weeks before whatever amount of time reasonable or feasible no uh you may already be you know doing some training uh, i don't know if coursera or you know eternal or whatever it is right but you can be acquiring this does, does that make you an expert no it doesn't right but it already cuts that learning curve for quite a bit so that when you join the learning that you have to do on the job is relatively small if you pair that with very good practices and with support from context no either specialists that are supporting the different teams or you know having access to uh to a wider uh, pool of intellectual capital within the organization then it becomes a lot easier becomes a lot a lot easier and those are things that people are not willing to do sometimes, right? Like, no, you're going to start, you learn on the way. Well, you're asking me to do something I don't know how to do, but then you're asking for performance as if I <laughs> didn't know how to do yeah. it. Uh, there, there's something, you're setting me off a failure here. No? Yeah. Um, so so that is something that needs to be recognized at, at the system level or the, the organization level uh, and, and dealt with. But those skills that are not the, the technical skills or the core thing, those are essential to make that a success, right? Mm -hmm. That's and, and that, those are harder to, mm -hmm. to develop uh, as well. Yeah, so I'd like to start wrapping up. Uh, so see, let's see if we can keep one of one episode at least under one hour. <laughs> but the, but there is one topic that I, I know that as soon as I introduce a topic, we are going to explode. Yeah, you like, you uh, you're saying that and then introducing a topic. Exactly. <laughs> no, but, but there is there is one thing that I want to say because I'm still a bit um, undecided. Um, l let's say in a product company again, right? So that is the the kind of uh, context that we are talking about here. Uh, I'm because quite often what we have in product companies are teams are dedicated to a domain. Yeah, that's normally the, the, the most common uh, uh, setup that we see. I've seen the other uh, setups uh, in at least a couple of places where they kept redirecting the teams. They kept the teams uh, together. And they redirect whatever was the priority they would change. So which means that every team could touch every single area of the system. So all the, the, the different repositories, microservices, call it whatever, uh, it was all open, all free for all. A team has a mission and the team can make all the changes that they need to make to get that uh, set of features done. Yeah. I've seen more, again, this is just limited to my experience uh but i've seen far more uh problems in organizations that is all free for all and keep redirecting teams when we had them focus on a, a domain i've seen organizations where they everyone was touching everything there was they lost consistency uh they lost like 
it, everything was messed up because every team would do whatever because the goal was to fix the feature. The, the, they never had time to, to think strategically about every single system that they had to change. They would just do the smaller change that they had to do to implement that feature. And the accumulation of that behavior created loads of different Frankensteins across the system. So there was no one looking after the individual areas or individual systems, right? In UBS, we had a, a hybrid term. We introduced a role called component guardians. So although teams could do the chains where they were, but we had one person or a small group of people that would be the guardians or the, 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 they would look after the quality or the standards of each system. So basically, I just wanted to throw it there and I wanted to know your opinions about this. I know that we are talking a bit about extreme, but like, what do you think about those two different ways of working? It's it's a it's a really interesting question actually because you know there is this idea of ownership, right? And when you live and breathe a certain kind of part of the, if the product is really large, when you live live and breathe certain part of the product, you you can evolve it better, right? Um, I think the the and you know, but on the other hand, you you can if you have that ownership, then you can't ha you know you can't have these cross-functional teams that are touching any part of the the product based on the business priorities, right? So you have to you know something has to give, and yes, the compromise in UBS was that we had these component guardians, although they also created a bit for dysfunction in the sense that they were almost like the gatekeepers, and they would be quite draconian. Uh, yeah. in getting their views across for that particular component. In yeah. that particular area, actually, our components were very large. And I think this yeah. was another problem. If you have smaller components and smaller areas, um, uh, like kind of, you know, smaller services or microservices, even that kind of thing, I personally think it's easier to, to share them because they, they are, they're more replaceable. They don't have to be, you know, they can be evolved in a much more fundamental way rather than a bit here and a bit bit there. And then you can, and if if in that case, uh, a lot of the complexity sits in, the, in, uh, in their interactions and there you synchronize as a, as a large, much larger team, right? But then the more important thing is the platform that those things run in and how they interact with each other at the complexity in the middle that is synchronized. And the less important thing is each particular component, right? So requiring less uh, rigor in individual ownership. I think they, but again, you know, you really have to, it, it is a compromise, you, you know, if you give with one hand and, you know, you take with the other type thing, you have to, to, to keep, uh, create these other balances like, component guardians, like smaller components, um, like even certain kind of standards, like standardizing on, at the platform level, uh, if you know you can keep the components simple, these kind of things I think help. But I think where components are super, um, a, a, they're, they're very large and they have a life of their own and there's a few of them to create the product. Um, I don't. I think that's kind of worse of the both worlds in a way because you got a bunch of like the same behaviors that you'd get in a larger monolith, 
but also you can't really benefit from this replaceability or kind of smaller cognitive load. So I think in UBS case we had we had a much more difficult problem. But you can design systems that help you to have teams that can move around a bit uh, freely and still see familiar landscape in in the in the software. Mm -hmm. Jose, any final words? No, I on, on that topic in particular, I feel like there is plenty of strategies that you can try and for some context it will work best. You know, like for you guys, you know, having the component um, owners or whatever, having them be like, let's say the, the, the one standardizing or looking over the overall thing, you know, and having everyone contribute and so on, but have this as a, it's called a coordinator or so someone setting you know the direction right and um so that's that's one area i've also seen um the team that goes and is able to move through every part of the system and then other people maintain it right and then they complain now these guys come here and they do all sorts of shit and now i have to deal with it right um which is yeah also uh, a, a pattern another team is assembling the people that you need in order to you know, so i will take someone from uh, from the components that I'm going to be touching on or whatever to make sure that there's a representative in there that understands what the implications of what we're going to be doing are. And, you know, you have autonomy, but you also have that direction, right? And this is something that I, I know I've, I've been using, you know, the Army FBI and that kind of stuff. And, and the Army gets a lot of shit. Um, but the Army, when people think about, you know, decision-making in the Army and that kind of stuff, they always think, you know, hierarchical and, you know, there's someone tells you what to do, you do that. And, and that is true. And, and, and it works a lot like that in times of peace, right? War also, but, you know, in times of peace especially, because it's looking for, you know, a, let's call it efficiency, although that's questionable, no? But when you're, you know... Combat that that is not there. You you need to train people to act in a context where that is is imperfect. You don't have all the information. You don't have someone to tell you what to do. You know you need to adapt and you need to right. And there's a lot of things that they do well in order to deal with that context that we could learn from. Right. So one of the things is you know if I'm you know they they have what's the operational intent right like what is it that we want to achieve. We want to capture Osama bin Laden, whatever, right? Like that's not the point. No, but we want to capture that hill over there, right? Wherever I am, I know that that's what we need to do. And from where I am, I can evaluate the situation and assess where I can contribute to move that, you know, go forward, right? And the thing is, people can start predicting, you know, even if you're not in the same unit, they can start predicting what other people will do because they all were trained together. And if they were in their position, this is what they would be doing, right? So if you manage to get that, you know, taking it now into the organization side of things, no, if you manage to get people to understand, you know, that, that strong foundation of what, you know, good architecture looks like or what, you know, good practice, etc., then you don't need so much someone, you know, being uh, enforcing a standard and because there is that commonality there. Yeah, uh, it, call it ways of working. Call it no, uh, that that awareness. They, they, in in the army, they call it a field guide. I think I've I've oh. read it. 
yeah. Yeah. So, so that's the, so that's the that's the idea. No, you you can people can act even with it imper uh, with imperfect information because they know how other people may react and they know no and they can predict how others will will you know and, and try to and they also have that clarity of where we're going right which is important it's not this is what i'm going to do and this is the, the, the i i look at my belly button no it's no it's they have that situational awareness of what it is that we're trying to accomplish no and and they can adapt so all of those things are transferable to to you know building software organizations in general they are hard <laughs> they are very hard to do no uh because you're also not in a situation where you know live or die kind of thing which is which also kind of makes things a bit does, uh, yeah that, that kind of situation does focus the mind a bit exactly <laughs> no you need to get it done no let's do let's do it right so so those are, are uh, things but you also have this you know specialists right and and you have especially you know, people who you know i design arm bombs or I right and while they're in a unit they're also helping people around them to sort of like get the skill and you will see them you know doing informant trainings that they will do right and this is another thing that I feel you know it's also very transferable because you while you have someone in your team who's the expert on XYZ if we get to enable this unit to do a, what it needs to do that person can also be improving the skills of people you know or the knowledge around the domain or the whatever for those people so the next time that you need to do that you may not need an you know the expert to to be able to do maybe you'll need the expert only for some things right so all of those patterns are very much applicable outside of you know warfare right and and they're not the norm because what is easy is, you know, you, 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 you are the payment team. <laughs> That's it. Yeah. And for now, let's get their work and keep them busy mm -hmm. and, and so on. Everything else is, is kind of uh, difficult to do. Right. So, yeah, mm -hmm. sorry for extending too much there, but uh, I thought that was. <laughs> right. We might have, a, we might need another episode just on the army uh, side. No, if, uh, if you so, want to know a bit more on this, by the way, uh, you know, the, the book from Donald Rennister, I think that I'm butchering his name for sure. Uh, the uh, Principles of, of uh, Product Development Flow, he has a chapter on, on what some of, you know, some of the things that you can take from the army in order to apply to, to organizations. So if you want to know more about that, you know. Mm -hmm. No, cool. Yeah. I, like, I think it's it's time for us to wrap up. Uh, I should not have introduced another topic at the end. <laughs> you should no. You should have not so, let me talk. <laughs> so <laughs> I should oh. have cut you off a bit. But like the but there is like uh, one thing that would be a good idea for a another episode. Mesh, you touched uh, on, on a topic that would be very interesting. Is how the architecture might impact team formation and team performance as well, because we mentioned the large systems component gardens, smaller system services, and so on and so forth, and, and the different dynamics that a different architecture will have on people's organization. I think this could be a, a fascinating topic, topic yeah. uh, for Definitely. us. We just need to capture that information. Or for people that are watching, if you were able to just stick with us until the end, uh, if you like this topic or if you want us, whatever you want us to discuss, uh, give us a thumbs up, subscribe to the channel so you are notified when there is a new video, but also add in the comments what topic would like us to discuss. And I'd like to thank again uh, Helder for the topic because it was a, a very interesting topic for us to discuss. It, it helped us to flesh out some ideas and stuff. So thank you very much, everyone, and i see you next time. Thank you and goodbye.